Good evening and a warm welcome to Joy 99.7 FM and to tonight's edition of Springboard, your virtual university. Thank you for joining us on your favorite leadership and personal development show. This is the platform where your personal value is enriched on a weekly basis. Springboard is brought to you by Legacy and Legacy and your superstition Joy 99.7 FM. The broadcast is made possible by the kind courtesy of some of Ghana's finest brands committed to the development of our nation's human capital. Springboard would like to thank these companies for supporting us to bring you the agenda for the year 2020. MTN, MTN Pulse, Just Be, the Enterprise Group, Enterprise Your Advantage, UMB Bank, UMB Speed Up, DigiBank, Let's Go and Access Pension, Trust Your Reliable Partner in Pensions. Special thanks to our print media partner, The Graphic Business. Thank you for joining us on JoyFM and also on Facebook. My name is Albert Okren and I'm here with my virtual academic board chaired by Comfort with the support of Matthew, Priscilla, David, Amos, Emmanuel and Jojo. I have a big show for you tonight. We are joined by Finance Minister Ken Ofuriata. Call a friend to tune in and you will discover something you didn't know before. But just before that, let me remind you that on Saturday the 7th of March, the Springboard Roadshow moved to Cape Coast to the UCC Auditorium 900 from 12 noon to 5 p.m. If you know someone in Cape Coast destined for the top, desirous to develop themselves, somebody with potential you would like to see equipped, directed them to Auditorium 900 at the University of Cape Coast from 12 noon to 5 p.m. on Saturday as they join us for Springboard in Cape Coast. You can also join us live on Facebook and enjoy every part of the experience, including fantastic prizes in the wild moments from MTN Enterprise and UMB. So, it is 20 more days to the global convocation of Springboard Roadshow on Saturday the 21st of March from 12 noon at the Grand Arena of the International Conference Center. Just call 024 for details. Well, in the year 2001, Ken Ofriata returned from Aspen, Colorado in the USA as a Henry Crown Fellow with a mandate to start a leadership fellowship in Africa or West Africa as his project. Fast forward two decades later, and from an initial class of 24 fellows, we have 422 fellows in different countries across the continent. And this week, 110 of them from nine African countries converged in Accra for what is called the Africa Impact Forum, the second in the series on the theme, Building to Last. Leadership versus systems. Very interesting theme, very interesting topic, discussion, building to last. Leadership versus systems. I'm joined here on Springboard by Kenneth Riata, who we all know as the Honorable Finance Minister of Ghana. And I'm confident that we'll, we'll get a sense of the past, the present, and the future of the Africa Leadership Initiative and possibly glean a few thoughts about himself. Like why he always wears white. <laughs> and, and and what who exactly is Ken Furiata? Well, we'll be finding out more as we unpack the issues with our guests for tonight. Ken, welcome to Springboard. Thank you so much. It's uh, so pleasant to be here. I haven't been here in ages, but yes. as usual, 
Uh, Angie always leads the way. I gather she was here a week ago. Yes, she was here a couple of weeks ago on mental health. Great shows, two shows back to back on mental health. We got great. response from all over the world. Great show, but so hey, it's good to see you. In her footsteps. Great. <laughs> Welcome once again. Thank you. <laughs> so, let's start with uh, Africa Leadership Initiative. And for the benefit of our listeners, a couple of months ago, um, in celebrating, I believe it was Kofi Dazi on the show, um, we had. Kakusi had a call in and trying to trace a link between himself, who was on the line, and Patrick Iwua and Kofi Dazi. I mm. mentioned that they were Aliwa fellows. Mm. And then I allowed Kofi to give a, a little gist about Aliwa, and everybody was asking, What is that? We need to know more about it. So I promised that in the last week of February, we'll have a show about Aliwa. And here we are today with the founder. So, Ken, what exactly is the Africa Leadership Initiative? Uh, thanks so much, uh, Albert. Um, uh, as you mentioned, uh, we I was invited to the Henry Crown Fellowship Program in Aspen, um, which had started a program um, really in sort of the, the dot-com period in which a lot of young people became, you know, fabulously wealthy. Um, so the sudden spurt of success, and the question that Aspen was asking is, how do you translate the success, which is quite individual and could be egotistic, into significance? How do you translate it to impact your community or your society? And um, I'm very blessed to have had Peter Ryland, who used to be head of TechnoServe in Ghana and become president of TechnoServe in the U.S. And he pushed the envelope and um, asked for the first um, African to be part of the fellowship program. And that's how I got there. But then each program, um, each um, fellow has to have um, a leadership project. Uh, and um, Peter had gone through the program and felt that his community was actually not America, but it was Africa and Latin America, because that's where he has spent a good part of his career. Um, so he chose to um, replicate um, the Henry Crown Fellowship Program, and that's when he found uh, myself in Ghana, Isaac Shongo in South Africa, Alim Furuki in Tanzania, Romeo Rodriguez in Mozambique. Um, and the pilot um, started, the seed was sown in Ghana, in Cape Coast, where we had our first um, inaugural class, um, including Kwekusi Chiado, Karen, um, Gloria Kufu, um, Frankie Du a whole host of really powerful people. And that was the beginning of what uh, has now become a 422-member uh, class of, of fellows across the continent, all reaching and seeking um, to do things beyond themselves, to look at the intractable problems in our society and say, how do we approach it in a different way uh, with optimism and, and a surety of finding solutions. We're going to try and locate quite a number of fellows tonight doing stuff across across mm-hmm. the country and across the continent and try and string the dots or, or, or bring the dots together. But right. very importantly, Ken, you mentioned two things. That the whole motivation was a group of people who had done very well individually, who were being challenged to look beyond themselves at how their success, their individual achievements could be more beneficial to the wider community. Right. I listened to Jim Ron talk about from success to significance and it was quite a phenomenal 
message. So mm-hmm. I can relate very much to the whole concept. Mm-hmm. You also mentioned that beyond the Harry Crown group, you were the first African who got the privilege of being part of this fellowship. Mm-hmm. And the next step was how do we bring this here into Africa? So coming into Africa, trace the spread from Cape Coast, the first group of fellows, and how it ended up in so many countries across the continent. Right. Um, so um, from Cape Coast, tested it and uh, felt that this was good. Um, and then the identification of um, Ali Mofuruki, so then a pilot was also done in Zanzibar. And uh, we, we got the gist that it was also resonating. Then Isaac Shongwe in South Africa. In South Africa. Okay. And then that also captured the imagination. And Romeo in Mozambique. Right. Um, so that we had sort of a complete continent, at least sub-Sahara. You know, but, but I, th- I think the enduring um, issue here is that, you know, the fellows goes through um, four common seminars. Uh, the first being... And the challenges of leadership, so that you you read about, um, let's say Martin Luther King or Gandhi um, or, Ma- or Mandela or Jack Stack, etc., and you begin to realize that each one in whatever period they were in had a certain problem that they found a solution to. Um, so it is really to rid us of the sense that the problems that we have currently are so overwhelming that you can't do it. So Gandhi goes back to India, sees the upper middle class, decides, you know, let me take a train and go around the country and understand um, what the people are feeling. Then he comes back, looks at the, the British um, colonization and believes that, you know, a salt walk will break this hold and open people's minds. So he does that. Um, and you saw what, what Martin Luther King did. If you read his letter from Birmingham jail, um, his challenge um, to the comfort of the, of the middle class pastors um, that, you know, what is wrong is wrong. And therefore, uh, we should fight evil. Um, and you see Mandela's um, issues of 27 years uh, in Robin Island. So at some point, you all begin to realize, let's not hide behind the excuse of the problems which seem intractable, but they can be tackled, and we have the tools within us to do that. But the key issue about those tools is whether you can then frame the moral compass within you. That really makes you clear that my truth is a paradox, but there's wisdom. You know, so you read uh, something like the heart aroused of Solomon giving um, a servant, you know, three messages, which says, remember the old road the ancient paths that work and don't just facilitate. Now, when you get a problem, you know, don't react emotionally. Uh, Maybe sleep over it. You might come up uh, with with a different different answer. Um, So these kind of jewels of wisdom um, that then, you know, gives you sort of the buffer uh, and, and the backbone um, to know that you know there are many ways to to resolve issues. Um, there's truth, but there's wisdom. Uh, there are facts, but there's a power within you uh, that can do much more. So that then becomes sort of the rallying call and the cry 
for one to live a life of integrity, a life of significance, and diminish, you know, maybe materialism to a certain degree uh, because you see yourself as a channel um, and as a steward of certain gifts because there's nothing that you really have that has not been given to you. Let me speak to the, the issue of projects. You mentioned that each fellow has a project and you've phrased to say that in the readings, in the interactions, you get to read about how others within their jurisdictions and their generations dealt with the issues that confronted them. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you say that every fellow would leave the the fellowship or the conference or the interaction with a project that you have selected. Right. Right. Help us understand how these projects are selected and, and what they are supposed to achieve. Well, it's really something dear to your heart. So, for example, uh, my project was then, you know, bringing Henry Crown with Peter um, to Africa, and two decades later, we are where we are. Then you have um, Patrick, who is a member, um, the, 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 the Ashesi experience. Um, see where he is. And he was also a winner of what we call the Magnolty Prize, which helps to push people further. Um, uh, then you go to um, Nigeria. Um, Aiboje, for example, set up an Africa initiative for governance uh, in which he funds, I think, five fellows to go to Oxford uh, every, year. every year. Yeah. And then they come back into the public service. Um, you have Amina, uh, who is the chair of the West Africa Enterprise um, with her uh, work uh, on women um, that also has won quite a number and then Isian Osaki of the Legacy Girls um, and Isian Sam um, uh, so it's, it's a constant um, push for areas that are dear to your heart in education, in technology etc. which really goes to impact you know, your society Right, so for the benefit of, the, of listeners this um, t- talking about projects um, it, it needn't be something that you are beginning. It could be something you are doing already that is being challenged to take it to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. And so in the case of Comfort and I, Springboard was something that we had started already, mm-hmm. but becoming Aliwa Fellows challenged us to take this to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. And here we are several years later, yeah. talking about 200,000 alumni from this initiative and over a million digital participants by the power of technology. What is it that you are doing? Uh, maybe, let's find out, Ken, for the listener listening tonight and saying, okay, so that, that resonates with me. Is there is there a place for the, the listener listening today? Can they dream or aspire to become a fellow of the Africa Leadership Initiative? And, and what, what do they need to do? Yeah, I mean, there's, um, I mean, there's an office set up. I think Data Bank has been sponsoring it for, um, I guess, since we started. Uh, and um, people are nominated. Um, uh, I don't know whether, um, at least in uh, in my time, I know that people did not write in to to sort of promote themselves. Um, but the fellows would uh, would nominate various people, and you go through an interview process uh, in which then um, each class is about 25 people. Um, so about 12 people will be selected from Ghana and another 12 um, from Nigeria. Um, so the combined class uh, brought a certain real positive chemistry of the ECOWAS system 
which has worked phenomenally well. Um, so um, uh, you have um, Arab and Pebbles at Data Bank um, who um, run, run the office, and that is the way to, to get it. But I think the realization also, and um, Isaac Shongui, who was one of the founders, um, has started a youth fellowship, um, uh, YALI, uh, which really is saying how, how much sooner should we get people and to inculcate these values and this sense uh, of purpose um, for, for their societies. Um, so I think that's an exciting uh, venture that likely all the regions will also begin so to, to do. So two things are clear. For a person to become a fellow, the person must be nominated by an existing fellow and then better through the process for selection. Yeah. All right. If you just join us, this is Springboard of Virtual University. 21 minutes past the hour of 7 o'clock. I get, the, I get to have the privilege of hosting Ken Ofriata, the founder of the Africa Leadership Initiative, as we try to unpack what this initiative is all about and why you could possibly be the next Ali Fellow or Aliwa Fellow because the West Africa Fellowship is a combination of Ghana and Nigeria for that matter. And so we want to understand the whole selection process as well as also how it operates. You mentioned the McNulty Prize and you mentioned Patrick as one of the winners. Just help us understand how the McNulty Prize fits into the whole scheme of projects. I think you, you captured it, Albert. I mean, the McNulty um, Prize, uh, McNulty was an investment banker, John, who, who passed, and they were members of the Aspen Institute. Um, so the wife was really um, sort of taken by what Aspen Institute does and the Henry Crown Fellowship Program, um, that she decided to set up this foundation, uh, which will further support um, the work um, that um, the fellows, um, the Henry Crown fellows, and therefore the uh, Africa Leadership Initiative fellows, etc., um, were doing um, to extend the reach and make it more impactful. Um, so, social, economic, and environmental challenges that we have uh, in our time. And yes, um, Patrick uh, was one of the early winners, uh, which brought a hundred thousand um, dollars to him. Was it hundred fifty thousand? It's a hundred thousand right. dollars. And then, uh, yes, I would say so. <laughs> uh, and then uh, more recently, um, Dr. Isiansa um, also. Um, um, one uh, um, for work with age for the for work of with age right um, and and that was more than what she got what they call the catalyst price right which is about twenty five thousand dollars yeah right let's talk about you mentioned also yali that meant that the fellowship had began to look at how to get more young people involved in this initiative mm-hmm. and for for what we do as springboard traveling around the country um, year after year interacting with uh, young people, there's so much energy, so much possibility, so much that these young people can contribute to national development. And yeah. I can't help but but remember the words of is it Ralph who said that the many of the leaders that we look up to throughout the generations of Africa um, made their contributions at a relatively yeah. young okay. age. How do we, looking at the, the average age of the Aliwa Fellows mm. generally are people that you will call successful who are seeking to make a significant impact. How do mm. you bring on board the younger generation who are starting afresh yeah. within the West African context? 
I think it's important. I mean, I'm 60 now. It just surprises me to no end. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I need to take myself a bit more seriously. Um, uh, so this was 20 years ago when we were 40. Um, and so we need to remember that. And then if you look at the African demographics, it's just crazy with regards to um, the age bracket um, under 35. Yeah. Um, and then by 2050, I think there will be the largest youth population in the world, over 600 million uh, in Africa. So clearly we need to intervene. You know, this is the forceful good for future. And we need to be really clear about the software and the skill set. Um, that this generation has. Uh, and I believe programs like Ali, you know, would enshrine the software, the attitude, the push for excellence, the issue of integrity, um, your commitment um, to society beyond yourself. Um, so I, th I think it's a matter of urgency um, for all of the Ali programs um, to really craft um, a way in which we evangelize this message. Um, and, and my suspicion is that fellows programs such as Springboard, etc., are going to be really key um, to being able to, 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 to do this. It, it's a fascinating and um, exciting future that we have if we take the responsibility of um, making sure that human capital is quote-unquote fit for purpose in the future. I, I cast my mind back to those, those years when your work allowed you to do a bit more of springboard on the road, traveling, speaking, and ask you, can I remember you sent me to Tamale and why <laughs> and, and all of that, but it was that burning desire to, to say, you know, uh, you know, we, did, we do a lot of poems in, yes. in, um, in this fellowship that we do. Um, so there was one which said, uh, you know, the world is wide and wild and wonderful and wicked. And our lives are murky, magnificent, you know, and full of memories and so and malleable. So how do you just oppose those and ensure that in all through that there's a certain clarity of what we are purposed to do? Yeah. I cast my mind back and I see over the period your life has changed significantly and one has it. You once referred to yourself as you are now in ministry. <laughs> I found yes. it a very interesting description. A very interesting description <laughs> of yourself. Not as a minister of finance, but in ministry. Is that, is that how you see your work? I, I really do. Because um I mean the the work that has occurred um January twenty seventeen to now is in my mind truly amazing and it couldn't have been uh, because one was so skilled but the Lord has been really present in that so you, you, you ask is the same country the same people you know and and somehow there's an intervention um, that moves uh, macros to a certain level has certain programs the world is looking at Ghana differently still problems that we have to manage uh, but we really need to be able to also smell the roses and say, okay, this direction is good and we are going to pursue it. Um, so my challenge my challenge is, as I said at the beginning of the year, I'm choosing joy for the year. Whatever happens, we are going to move forward in a very positive way. Um, so I should be able to rally the troops. I should be able to make people feel excited. I should be able to exhibit integrity in what I do. Um, I, I should 
uh, just always know that there will be no sudden destruction if one is looking at Jesus' face and, and keep going. So that that's the ministry. Tell me about the drive. I mean, I, I look back at, you mentioned why of all the places we've been, I think that was a place that, that, that had the biggest effect on you. I remember very, very well mm. speaking in Wa at a springboard event and all the people gathered, all the experience. Mm. Wa was very, very, very special. But yeah. the person who was standing in, in Wa talking to young people, trying to give them direction and hope at the time as CEO of Databank mm. and fast forward to now finance minister, still talking about the continent and how we can rally the young people to make a contribution. Is it the same, Ken? Is there, is there, is there a link? And, and if so, what is it that is driving you in this mission? Um, is there a link? Uh, I think, you know, I mean, through all of that is a realization that, um, um, well, first of all, the we Ghanaians are truly special people, um, and this is a special country. And our responsibility is to make this purpose realized. So, so yes, and the people to be able to do that are really, in the end, the youth and the question of, of, of education uh, and inspiration. So when I look at myself in through all these vicissitudes of how I came to be where I am and from the village, it is quite clear to me that the capacity of our nation to change is immense. Um, how do you draw that spirit? Uh, and a sense of purpose um, uh, for others to also follow um, as an example. And I, I think that's, that's a mission. And to be really uh, fearless and, and courageous in that and, and believe what the Founding Fathers uh, wanted for our nation. I think, um, was it yesterday that Olara uh, mentioned that, you know, Ghana is so small, but Ghana, you know, the power of its ideas is what captivates the continent. Ulara Utunu, former UN Undersecretary General. That man is dangerous. Yes. Hey! We'll talk about Ulara and then also try to trace the story you mentioned about coming from the village. When I come back from this break, I'm going to be asking Ken to help us understand his own journey, the lesson, learnings from his journey, and how you can juxtapose that against this quest to give many more people that opportunity to be able to live out their dreams and become all that God meant for them to be. But this is Springboard of Virtual University. Our discussion is about the African Leadership Initiative and the quest for the good society. But in that good society, everyone must have a place. How do we make it possible to have a continent where everyone grows up knowing that they belong and they have a place? Springboard is brought to you by Legacy and Legacy. Enjoy 99.7 FM. This program is proudly sponsored by MTN Ghana's number one network. MTN says MTN Pulse Just B. The Enterprise Group Enterprise Your Advantage. UMB Bank, UMB Speed Up, Diggy Bank. Let's go. Let's go. And Access Pension Trust, your reliable partner in pensions. When I come back from this break, I'm going to go into Ken's story. The part that is the story of vulnerability and the story of opportunity. And out of that, Encourage somebody that no matter where you are starting from, God has a plan for your life. And you will live that dream if you lift up your hands to God. Please and go away. 
How do you intend to sustain yourself when you retire? My children will take care of me when I'm retired. I am a professional. I can work till 80. Some people leave their retirement to chance. How are you planning yours? Your attitude today can help you avoid struggling to survive when you retire. With 50 Ghana City's monthly investment in the Axis Pension Plan, you can accumulate 700,000 Ghana cities in 30 years. This investment will guarantee you retirement income that far exceeds your current income. Visit www.accesspension.com to sign up or call 0302-543-287 or 0544-321-966 for details. Access Pension Trust, your reliable partner in pensions. was established in 1972 as the premier bank for the corporate and private sector in Ghana. From our very beginning, as the only Ghanaian bank serving all categories of businesses, we set a standard for excellence and innovation over the past 45 years. We've built a financially healthy and strong bank, demonstrated our commitment to our customers and to growing businesses, and exhibited originality and innovation at every turn. At UMB, our focus is built around people, service, products, and technology. These are the key to our present success and our future triumphs. At UMB, we are poised to make a difference not only with our customers, but also in the banking industry. We invite you to share in our future. Our future starts now with you. When you don't have the Enterprise Advantage app, you're not in control. Boss. Yes, I could see. I'm at where they sell the coats. What size do you like? Ah, what coats? Coats, coats, office coats. Ah, I said get me a coat. Quotation from Enterprise. Ah, you pan. Oh, what coat? Save yourself from the stress. Take advantage of the Enterprise Advantage app. Make your claims, check statements, request for a coat, and buy a policy from any of our subsidiaries. What's more, you can also get health tips, traffic information, find mechanic shops, and more on your Enterprise Advantage app. Download the Enterprise Advantage app on Google Play and Apple Store now. Here is to 95 years of trust. Enterprise, your advantage. Enterprise is indeed your advantage and Springboard is your virtual university. Tonight is that night we've been talking about for a while and we get to have Honorable Ken Ferrata in the studio, not as finance minister, but as a, a friend of Springboard and very importantly, the founder of the Africa Leadership Initiative. He's helping us to understand what the initiative is about. Importantly, the journey of the initiative, some of the fellows that have come through the initiative, how you can be a part of the initiative and the dream to build an Africa in which everyone has opportunity. Um, Bernard Achu Akumazanu says, I love this man. I just want to meet him one day for a one-minute handshake. Charlie, we could arrange you to. <laughs> Don Francis Hanuman says, I'm having a great time with Minister Stewart Mensah says, keep on with the good work. Let's talk about the, the man, the man behind the vision. Can let me take, take you respectfully back a few more years behind 20 years to the beginnings of your life or the beginnings of your journey, a story you once told on the global stage and had everyone talking about it all over the world. But I think it's so relevant for the benefit of that young person listening or that person starting their journey who says, oh, I wish I were like you, but my way, as they say, I'm, I'm so far away that I don't think I can become another 
another kind of reaction, yeah. another accomplished person to even talk about moving from success to significance. Mm-hmm. Just help that person to contextualize yeah. from your own journey. Yeah. I, I think really, I mean, you you you, you kind of give up, and and the reason um, I say that is that when you realize that um, a you were almost aborted. Uh, that B, you had to live um, uh, with your mom as a single parent, uh, go to school in the village. Somehow, you know, dad recognizes you later and brings you to the city. Um, then you, you you get an opportunity to go through um, Lagon Primary, Achimoto Primary, etc. Uh, you're so giddy that you fail your A-levels and like, oh my God, what am I going to do now? Uh, but that was interesting. Did you feel the A-levels? It was really not good. <laughs> <laughs> so you do it again. They call it a second world war. Uh, but that was fascinating. He was then in Parliament. And he said, well, you know, if you think you can be in this out and field, then be my driver. So I then grew up for maybe a year driving down to Parliament and sitting in the balcony and listening to these debates. So the first time I went to read the budget, I'm like, oh my God, God, God had moved this thing <laughs> ages beyond me. Anyhow, um, so that was interesting. And then I um, got a chance to, you know, to redo the A-levels again uh, and then do the SATs and and um, got the opportunity to go to Columbia. Um, did that. Wall Street was open at that time when I graduated. So got a chance to work there and then went to Yale and then came back to, to Wall Street. Um, so before I realized, I'd been in the States for 10 years without returning to Ghana, 1980 to 1990. And I came back um, then. And it was really amazing because uh, the kinship was very strong um, for someone who had become a real New Yorker. And I got back to New York really quite unsettled and thinking, you know, one must go back. What are you going to do, you know, Wall Street? And uh, I just met Angie, and um, she was doing a PhD in Vancouver. I was in New York. And so I said, you know, I think I'm looking to go home. And, of course, expecting her to say, oh, that's crazy. I'm going. She said, yeah, right. Why don't we think about it and do it? I'm like, oh, God. So now we have to do it. Uh, and uh, came and... Um, began to do some work with Kelly and um, Togbe Afede, um, Judith Edu, um, as to trying to set up something in investment banking um, here. We got a small office in Cantamanto, um, where we then started, you know. Um, how do you start an investment bank in Cantamanto? But we were precocious, we were excited about what we wanted to do, and just felt that, you know, um, just throw caution to the wind, enjoy, enjoy the moment and see where it goes. But just a push for excellence and the freedom to to exercise what we had learned and to do and knowing that it's a break at a time. Um, and 20, 30 years later, uh, I guess this year is the 30th year of Data Bank actually looking yeah. at it. Um, this is where where we are. So really, f- for me, uh, th- there's nothing that is impossible. I think I think God is just a great guiding principle uh, in all of this that that we have to do. And there will be some very difficult moments all through that. But he he says, you know, no sudden disaster would happen, and um, you know, keep looking in his face and not the waves. 
and and he will direct you. Let me, let me borrow from your story, Ken. And it's, a, it's an amazing story. It told two aspects I didn't know about. One was the parliament, the right. parliament. Yes. <laughs> that, that, that to parliament. So, so anytime you go back there, you, you remind yourself you are back at the same place. I am. But the story has changed. Yeah, and it really struck me when I, I stood there reading the first budget uh, in March um, 2017. And fortunately, Dad was up and around, so he, he came to parliament. He was sitting right across from me. I could see him. Wow. Yeah. And also, the ministry, because that was where Dad was as a deputy minister. So when I walked into that place, too, I'm like, oh, oh this is familiar. You must feel a very strong sense of destiny. And, uh, let me ask you about the spring meetings of the World Bank. When you go back there, too, does it also remind you of <laughs> many Washington? Years, Washington and the, okay. Yeah, it's because I, I needed to understand what was happening in Ghana since I had been back in a decade. So I went from New York to Washington quite a bit to just try to appreciate what the Bretton Woods were doing to Ghana so that I can focus on what I was going to be doing when I come here. But but I think, you know, you we, we had some sessions at the Aspen in which we were supposed to describe ourselves. And I said, you know, I think I'm a bridge. You know, so to be able to appreciate what a woman goes through to make a decision whether to abort or not to abort, to go to school in the village and understand what it is to dance, you know, to be able to get some income to go home, <laughs> how to carry firewood, how to go to the farm, um, to come to Accra, um, to go to the Saito schools. I was in um, um, the Nima um, cluster and uh, the Kaneshi cluster and then finally experimental before that came and then sort of moved into Legon, uh, which was a little too fine for me. I couldn't even spell Kenneth at that time. So <laughs> I'm called Nanaya, which I knew. <laughs> um, and so you, you can see, you know, the, the, the failure of the A-levels, the, the, the drive into Parliament, you know, going to America and getting into Wall Street, which meant that you met, you know, the richest, the smartest people. So you learn to kind of demystify all things, and therefore, as representing Ghana, um, you are really confident in what you are doing because, you know, you, you've, you've kind of traversed uh, that field before. Yeah, and um, that's been helpful. Let me take you to the words of Ugandan diplomat, politician, and the former Under Secretary General of the U.S. the U.N. Olara Otum, mm -hmm. and he, borrowing from your example about Saito, um, and Daniel Hassan sat in the same chair and said he went to Saito in a remote part of the northern region. Mm -hmm. Dr. Ishmael Yamsin mentioned going to Saito. Mm -hmm. Alex Bangfu mentioned going to Saito. Olara's comments on Saturday were urging African leaders to create a more equitable Africa where a child who goes to Saito has hope that they too can become somebody. In his own words, if not, you create an Africa in which the child who goes to Saito can only aspire to be the champion drunkard in their local community. Mm. What's your mm. response to that? Yeah, my response is that it does not have to happen at all. I mean, I, and... Um, 
I think um, Keith, um, one of the moderators at Aspen, describes this fellowship as a bunch of intergalactic warriors, you know, um, swooping in um, to change the wrong and to fight evil and to push it away. And the quality of, of, of the fellows uh, indicates a certain problem-solving um, capacity. And, and a deep care and empathy um, for the world. But really, I mean, for me, the intervention of technology will go a long way to eliminate, you know, that chasm that seems to be growing. But it takes leadership. You know, when um, President Kufuadu says free senior high education and someone says you can't afford it and he says it's a choice, so you choose, you know, whose child should be left behind. And what is your greatest asset as a country? Um, now, if we have that type of mindset and the country begins to accept that we cannot not uh, provide um, for um, our population to have the skill set for the fourth industrial revolution, um, then we can do it. Um, so in my mind, you know, the pedagogy has to change in terms of how we educate people. Technology has to be fully um, integrated in, in what we do, um, and, and we should be very deliberate about um, these um, TVETs and STEMs and STEAMs that we are bringing so that skill sets are relevant to the future. I'm going to be allowing our listeners to join this conversation because we just need to know what they want from you as we try to build an Africa where everyone can dream and everyone can rise to the occasion. J.S. Kudio says, tell Honorable Ken, I want to learn and relearn his wisdom and more importantly, his humility. Thompson Osuba says, Reverend Ken, I'm enjoying the show. I think Ken is a great man the youth would have to look up to. He should open up more opportunities to the masses, especially those in the deprived parts of our country. Kwame Ekremer says, great, humble man, Ken, God bless you. Anthony Niajita Ajay says, inspirational, with God, nothing is impossible. Emmanuel Osiakoto says, what a humble, humble starts to a great man, I love it. Emmanuel, the point really is this, that no matter where you are starting from, God is able to lift you up and make you somebody so you can live out your dream. And that's the Africa that we are talking about, where anyone and everyone can dream and can go ahead and live out their dreams. Can let me tell you about a very interesting story that happened happened um, in what uh, today let's stay in why a bit okay um, <laughs> that is my best um, yeah, region I, I, actually <laughs> we love war for, for several mm -hmm. reasons and one of the interesting experiences when we went to war was hanging out with senior high school students young um, female senior high school students campus was doing a mentoring session for them and we're asking them what they want to become and predominantly Teaching and nursing were dominating. We thought it was fine. I mean, these are two great professions that invest so much in people. So we thought it was very fine. And then one person came to us and said, well, I want to be a doctor, but my parents say, perish the thought. And then we asked her, why do they say perish the thought? And she said, listen, the reason why many of us want to become teachers and nurses is because we know that we are guaranteed employment, government jobs. Mm. And then it struck us that so the, the reason was not just the right love mm. for the profession but the safety net mm. that it provides. I want to speak to the, the, the comments made by this listener who says from Snow Subao says 
I love you, Minister, but can we create more opportunities for the masses, especially those in the deprived parts of the country? So let's juxtapose the thoughts of Thompson against these young ladies who say, let's go to a safe job like nursing and teaching. That one, government will take responsibility for finding you a mm -hmm. job. Let's speak to those people in those rural areas who say, help us, Mr. Minister. We need to see hope that there is opportunity for us. Yeah. Very good question and, and is very daunting, I mean, with regards to the issue of the of the youth um, democratic bulge and the capacity of our current system, public or private, um, to create jobs for them. Um, so that's a very rational decision to want to be a teacher um, or a nurse um, because um, government will sign a check um, for a job for you. And then we moved on to NAPCOR to try and absorb some of that. But But truly, you know, when one sits they're thinking, thinking policy. Um, th there can be some individual interventions, but the truth of the matter is that how do you make the whole stream rise? You know, how do how do we create an environment in which there's a sense of macro stability, which people will tell you we don't eat, but it is through that that you can then have a private sector that is more robust than you have, because in the end, I need to. We need to find a way for the private sector to lead this charge of employing people. Um, so we've gone through three years where I think we've gotten a bit relative um, stability. Uh, you have certain programs like schooling, um, senior high school, so they are beginning to build a skill set. You see the interventions of 1D1F and or planting for food, etc., all in an attempt to widen. Not that you won't make mistakes while you are doing that, but at least in a broad sense, in the direction that, that is relevant. Uh, my suspicion is that going through this very challenging um, banking crisis also, so that the chassis, which is the liquidity that you need, also is becoming a lot more stable. The banks are much better off than they used to be. We are going to be paying, you know, all the depositors um, over time. So that's also helpful. So it brings some liquidity. Um, I think it will, get, it will give people a chance to breathe, you know, and then be able to have um, more opportunities uh, than we have. But it, I think it's a slow um, process, but I think we've done the real heavy lifting um, these three years, and, and we are going to be a lot more aggressive with how you provide resources and training um, for the youth um, to, to, to... Two words, survive. resources and training. So young people, the West have resources and training. Let's open the phone lines to... Um, to you out there, 030-221-6541-0244-340437. What would you like Honorable Kenofurata to hear from you in terms of opportunity, in terms of feedback, in terms of your lessons from the story, in terms of the African Leadership Initiative? Talk to your minister, 0244-340437, Those are the numbers to call, but we are hanging out with Kenofurata as we unpack the story of the Africa Leadership Initiative, the quest for a good society, the desire to build an Africa that is inclusive where everyone can get the opportunity to play their game, make, uh, make their contribution, and enjoy their role on the continent. So 030 
0302165411244340437 that's the number to call um, Ken, let me come to the future yeah. where do we go from here with, with regards to the Africa Leadership Initiative where do you go from here um, I think really now is, is now is sort of the creation of a pan-African uh, unit um, and that really in a sense, I mean, if you look at the um, AU 2063 with regards to where the continent needs to go and the type of population that we are going to have, it's going to take um, some deliberateness in um, in tackling uh, some of these issues of poverty and technology. So my sense is by creating the Pan-African Ali, um, we then can take these topical areas and really dissect and find solutions to them. Because when you saw those hundred people in that room, I'm not sure there's any problem given to them together as a collective that they can solve. So that's for me the excitement for it. Uh, you remember we at one of our last poems was um, Ben Okri yesterday, yes. you know, and he says, uh, will you be at the harvest? And we should be. Let me, take, our you, let me take you back to Ibadan several greater than our past. Yeah. Can I take you back to Ibadan several years ago and to the, the, the writings of Leo Tolstoy, how much land does a man need? Yes. And sitting down deep into the night thinking about that region and how much of an impact it had on my life. Yeah. Funnily enough, the very first edition of Springboard was based on that writing. I, how yeah, much land does yeah, a man need? And yeah. the guest, guess what? Grace Amiel being also a fellow of the African mm. Leadership Initiative. She was the guest for that show. And then I think you were the second. Mm. The second guest on the show. And that was in um, August 2008. So you're looking at a, um, a future in which we can string together the various, the various fellows and their contributions from across the continent and leverage them to push things forward. Yes, we, we are. And, and the issue about um, how much land does one need is important because it's, it's, it's a certain liberation by the time you, you, you finish reading that and appreciating in the end that it's only six feet that you would get. Right. You know? He actually did get there and touch his heart, mm. which means that he had completed the cycle. But it was with his last breath and right. it was gone. Um, so... You, you, you become a, a finance minister and you have all sorts of resources available to you, but do you need them? You know, can you drive a cantanka around town and still get to where you want to get to? Um, can you stay in your own house? Can you um, support other people um, to grow? Uh, because it, it then become, you begin to realize that um, everything is a stewardship. You know, and that the end game is for you to be that angel that the Lord has brought to help somebody else. Um, so, how much land does one need? It becomes a resonating thing as you sit in that chair. Where do you see yourself going forward? You have a you have a big part to play. In what we are doing as a country, you have yeah. a dream that is is, is African in nature mm-hmm. in terms of of challenging yeah. leaders in, in, in various countries to do yeah. what they are doing. But you yourself, yeah. where do you see yourself in all this? I, I don't know. It's, it's very, I mean, you, 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 you see a lot of things. And um, I think I'm, I'm beginning to formulate an idea that actually, you know, Ghana is an idea and maybe Ghana is not ours. 
Ghana set the seed for political emancipation in Africa and it sent a fire through the continent. Sixty years later, the Continental Free Trade Agreement is being situated here. And that is the future, trade and investment. And we have to, um, to really uh, be at the vanguard of that and, and promote that. Um, we also are a stable democracy and have a certain sociology which welcomes people. So can Ghana then become that green space that just shows the best of Africa, you know, and, um, and how we should then be more than the Switzerland, you know, of the world. Uh, because in here will then be the peace, the push for equality, the push for social mobility, social justice, that haven. And that just says that let's all protect Ghana, but it's through here. I mean, well, the present declaration um, of a year of return, we are talking about 400 years of injustice being relieved and saying that, you know, let's solve that. Why should it be this tiny country that always brings freedom to everybody? Talking about that, I, anytime I get to hang out around with Nigerian fellows or my friends from Nigeria, there's a certain sense, and yesterday Omogola Johnson made that point so, so succinctly. She says, we just envy you here in Ghana. It's, there seems to be a certain um, position among Nigerians that our countries far ahead of them, far better than mm -hmm. this. And they say, we Ghanaians don't see it, and they always argue yeah. <laughs> with us. It's just amazing how they see our country compared to how we see no, it. I, I think we do have issues, but, um, you know, we, 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 we need to sometimes sit back a little to, to smell the roses and, and understand where we are in the present so that we don't diminish it. And I think that's a real challenge when maybe you are too close um, um, to to the type of relative success um, that that we are having. Why should we, you know, have the longest bond in Africa? Right. Why, you know, you, you begin to ask these questions. Why is a year return here? And and let let me tell you something. So, you know, you are organizing this economy. You have these foreign exchange issues. We have three months cover four months cover, but really, Albert, we should have like five years for instant cover, so it's not an issue. So what are the elements that will create Ghana as a regional hub to be able to have logistics and aviation and manufacturing, etc.? And if you were to look at Nigeria, even as your sole uh, benefactor of what you do manufacturing, that's a hundred and something million people. How do you exercise that? If you look at this um, vision that the president has and for the first time in US history about 2 million African Americans are becoming pensioners each year averagely it's about $17,000 you know on the low side so that is $34 billion if this becomes their home that could come through so you begin to realize that it's just limitless if we ourselves begin to understand where we sit uh, in this cosmic and say 
we are going to do what our forefathers dreamt of and make ourselves different. But to relish it and understand that, you know, we are in some good times and we need to work harder. All right. So let me apologize to our listeners. Our, our technical challenges didn't allow us to take the phone calls. But I got a number of messages. I'm going to read a couple of them, even though we won't be able to respond enough to all of them. But Nanakufi Bodhi was asking, after being away from Ghana for a while, what shocked you most upon, upon your return? And then Sefas Maudem says, Honorable me, I know how you got into partisan politics and what is your conviction. Master Ake says, Pastor, ask, ask Minister, if the fellowship is inclusive, why do you have to be recommended? You should just be able to access it and enter. And these are several questions that people have that we, we can't answer within the next minute that we have. But to sign off, Ken, and we definitely should have you back to have a longer conversation about this. But Ken, tell me. Your closing thoughts for everyone listening out there. Um, you know, Albert, I just think we, we have an incredibly wonderful country with, um, with, with, uh, with a purpose that is deeply beyond us. I think we have a leadership that can take us where we want to go. I think we, we, we need to extend um, um, the, the sphere of consensus so that, you know, both parties, however they are, we essentially on 80% of the issues of how we want to be a great nation, we understand. And then we fight on the margins on 20%. You know, we can't diminish, you know, what is good uh, for for the nation. Can I I constrain you to see what you just said again, please? The last comment you just made, if for the benefit of our listeners, you can say it again, please. Streams of thought. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you about, about being able to build consensus. I think we, should, we need to build a, on a consensus on a broad raft of things. About 80-90% of what we know we need to do as a as nation. As a nation going forward. And so then the marginal 10%. The 10% we can you know what, fight If you did that with the population, we would love you forever. <laughs> Then we should try and I think that the, the the challenge then is for people to really speak up, you know, because democracy requires a voice. Kano Furiata, Finance Minister of Ghana, founder of the Africa Leadership Initiative. Time flies when you are in good company. Sorry to my colleagues. It must answer. We cancel the data exchange segment. Jojo can we cancel the, the game changer segment. But we are very blessed to have spent the full hour with Ken Furiata. Coming up next, the work with Jesus and Reverend Ransford Agbosi will be talking about the history of Ghana, the history of the church in Ghana with a spotlight on the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. And he's hanging out with Reverend Dr. Fred Mausi. And we want to say a big thank you to Comfort Matthew, Priscilla, Amos, Emmanuel, Juju for making this possible. And a big thank you to you, Ken, for hanging out with us. Thank you. God. Privilege. Thanks Thank so you. much. God bless you. I will. Bye. All right.